It's time for the Retire ASAP Podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fike. Welcome to the Retire ASAP Show, where we talk about how to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name is Taylor Fike. I'm your host here. My co-host is... Brad Fike. Oh, and now I remember growing up, so in case you haven't followed us super long, growing up, uh, Brad is my dad. He was the master of percussion and a specific instrument, the steering wheel drum set. If you ever rode in the car with Brad, the way he plays the drums on his steering wheel to the classic rock station, man, he can just slay it. Did I ever tell you the story when uh, I brought your sister, uh, drove her back from Florida a few years ago, and uh, she is quite the percussionist with her fingers and whatever kind of anything that's laying around on the table like me. Now, mind you, we stink at playing the drums. We don't even know how to play them. But we pretend like we know how to play them. Oh, absolutely. So on the way back, we were eating Twizzlers, and she's driving, and I'm playing to the rock and roll music with Twizzlers on the dashboard. She reminded me of that the other day. It does not surprise me between your uh, opera singing and your percussion talent. I feel like, uh, it was it Ringo Starr? Is he the drummer for the Beatles? Yeah. Oh, now tell me. Tell me how many uh, 27-year-olds know that fact. Go ahead and tell me that. I'm amazed. Yep. Ringo Starr would be real proud of you and your percussion talent yeah i think i probably could have been a beetle in late stages of the beatles maybe some sort of beetle i don't know about the famous ones though be careful paul mccartney <laughs> might be calling me soon <laughs> well welcome to our show where we don't talk about percussion instruments or the beatles we actually talk about retirement and wow what a time we were in what do you think brad these are weird times quarantines uh, essential businesses only Today, I heard a lot of people got their stimulus checks, so many people who across America got $1,200 a person plus $500 for kids if it all worked out the right way. I mean, holy cow, this is weird. Well, I uh, hope that all our clients that got stimulus checks would bring them in and invest them because it's a great time to invest. Yeah, shameless plug, if you have some stimulus money and you're not sure what to do with it, a Roth IRA is a great tool, a great tool for investing, especially if you want to get some tax-free retirement income, which we've talked about on previous episodes. But again, that was just a, a shameless plug right there. Yeah, it really was. But today, we don't really want to talk too much about stimulus checks, although uh, it's exciting for a lot of people because I know a lot of people are hurting in this. And for those of you who are out of jobs or struggling to find work or trying to figure out what this new economy looks like for you, we, we definitely have feelings for you. I know things have been rough even in our office. When, uh, when you're a fee-based advisor, down markets are not fun, whether it's for your clients and those conversations or whether it's for you and your own income. So we feel for you. Hopefully we can get everybody back on their feet as soon as possible. But today what I really want to talk about is a little bit to do with portfolios because I think a lot of the questions that clients have been asking me throughout these last few weeks, you know, four, five, six weeks, whatever we've been in this craziness in. But for these last four, five, six weeks, they've been asking a lot about, am I going to be okay? Should I still be retiring? Am I going to be able to stay retired? What's happening? And where's my income going to come from? Is everything going to be okay with that? Those kinds of questions are kind of big when it comes to this. So here's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about what the fancy, smart financial advisors call sequence of return risk. And really what that is, simply put, is what kind of risk is it to withdraw money from your portfolio when the markets are down? Does that have long-term effects on your portfolio? The answer is yes, 
But the question that most people are asking is, is it going to destroy my retirement if I'm still withdrawing my monthly check or my quarterly check throughout this down market? So I want to toss something up to you, Brad. I know you've had some experience in talking to some clients. Do people need to just stop taking income from their portfolio because the markets are down? Well, that would be a great thought, but I don't think that's practical for people that are in retirement. And there was a huge sigh of relief by the listeners who are retired going, thank goodness I can keep having money come in. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, here's the thing though. So the reality is though that when a client, let's say they're taking money out of their portfolio and they have, we'll go general. They have an index fund portfolio that they do on their own. So they have the cheapest investment out there. They own everything in the market. So they own all the U.S. stocks, all the international stocks, as many as they can. They throw it in a bucket and they say, hey, I'm going to get an average return for this. And this is what the majority of investors are doing now, whether they're doing it through an advisor or on their own. Index investing is the most popular. So say they have this index portfolio. And they're withdrawing 4%, which is kind of a rule of thumb in our industry. They're withdrawing 4%, if you read any of those articles that are out there, from their portfolio across the board. Say they retired with a million dollars, so they're taking $40,000 a year out from their portfolio to help make their retirement work. Now, what's going on in a portfolio like that? If they're withdrawing evenly from their portfolio, 40000 a year, whether the markets are up or down, does that affect the longevity of a retirement? Well, absolutely. So what you have to look at is, first of all, indexing. And we've done indexing for the last decade, actually. And I believe I read not very long ago that like 32 or 33% of investors are now in index funds. Hmm. And the reason why is, one, it's a great do-it-yourself way to go the investing route. And two, they're cheap. And even though fees are extremely important when it comes to investing, it is not, believe it or not, not the number one thing that you should be looking at. Because when you do indexing, you're going to buy thousands and thousands and thousands of companies and you're getting really good quality companies, but you're also getting some crappy ones in there. The dogs with the darlings. Dogs with the darlings. And right now it's going to shine probably coming out of this the importance of knowing what companies that you're going to buy or you're going to own because debt is going to be critical to all these corporations, whether they're small companies or large companies. And we're talking about public companies that have stock available that you buy through a mutual fund or an ETF or you buy direct stock from them. So what you have to look at is the quality of the company is going to be most important coming out of these things. And one of the things with indexing is we're just buying the dogs and the darlings. And so therefore, we have a lot of companies in there with a lot of debt. So back to your question, that's my little commentary there, but back to your question of drawing money out across the board is in some cases, probably what I would say a majority of the do-it-yourselfers are probably doing because they don't know where to pull it from. So I'll just pull a little bit from every fund that I have, whether it's an ETF or stocks or dividends or mutual funds, wherever it is. And very few are going to probably live on dividends complete unless they have a massive stock portfolio of some high paying dividends, which is hard to do. And when you get into these times, it's even harder to keep dividend levels up especially for high debt companies. But if you're drawing across the board, now I'm selling stock shares, shares. If it's an ETF or a mutual fund, I got to sell a share to get my money each month, multiple shares. 
And so if the stocks are down in price, that means I got to sell more shares to get the same dollar amount in my pocket to live on. And when the markets come back, I have less shares to come back up when the market goes up. So let's say an example is the shares in my portfolio are $10 a share and I need $100 a month. I'm just going to try to keep it really simple. So I got to sell 10 shares a month, right, to get that $100. But if my shares drop to $5, now that's a pretty big drop, but let's say they drop to $5, I now got to sell 20 shares a month to get my same $100. And so then when the market goes back up, five to six to seven to eight to nine, and we're back in recovery at 10, I have a whole lot less shares because I had to sell twice as many to get the same money. Does that make sense? It does. I think the problem for most investors is that they don't realize this. I had a great conversation with my father-in-law, and we'll see if he listens to this podcast. I had a great conversation with him about a lot of this stuff, and it was so interesting because he was asking, he goes, how does this stock market value thing work? Like, People say they have a million dollars in their portfolio or $500,000 in their portfolio. How do they know they have that money? And we had a great conversation because the reality is the factor of your portfolio has nothing to do with the dollar amount and everything to do with the number of shares that you own because the dollar amount fluctuates based off of the price of those shares. The only thing that never fluctuates is how many shares you have unless you buy more or sell some. So the thing you need to be thinking about in this case, when markets are down or markets are up, when you're buying or selling in retirement, you're selling these shares to get your income, you have a limited number of shares and those are only worth whatever dollar sign they're worth that day when you sell them. So you need to be very, very smart around that when we're deciding what to sell, when to sell, how much to sell. And I think the thing is, is that most people would like to think this is a simple idea. I've read plenty of do-it-yourself articles online. I know NerdWallet does them. The Motley Fool does them. There's all kinds of different industries out there that write do-it-yourself stock picking, do-it-yourself portfolios, do-it-yourself retirement income. And the thing that they'll say is they say, pick an income, pick a good portfolio, and then follow these simple rules of maybe a 4% withdrawal rate or whatever they may say. They have a a very general, easy system to follow. The problem is that for every single individual, a portfolio and a withdrawal strategy needs to be customized and it needs to be flexible. So one of the best things that I can think of, and this is a really simple solution, and there's probably more complicated ones that fit more people's uh, situations. And maybe I should put our disclaimer in here real quick that we're not giving any advice in this podcast. This is all education information. If you need advice, you need to talk specifically to a financial advisor, legal advisor, tax advisor before you make any investment decisions, because we're just talking in general here. We need to talk about specifics if you're going to make any decisions on your own portfolio. We're not doing that on this podcast. But basically what I'm saying is one of the little bit more complicated strategies is that you could do 4% per year based off of your annual portfolio value. So say you start with a million dollars, then you withdraw some money for your retirement the first year. What's your portfolio at then? Well, it's a mix of what you've taken out and what the markets have given you. So whether it's up or down. Or taken. Yeah, exactly. But the reality is you got to look at that and you got to see and say, okay, is this value that I'm taking, this 4% value, is it still a good idea for the longevity of my portfolio? I don't know. It depends on the person. For some of our clients, they say, I don't really care about the longevity of my portfolio. I need this amount of money. Well, then that's what we're going to give you. But just know you have the potential of running out. For other clients who say, I don't want to run out. This is the amount that I would like to have. This is the amount a little bit less that I need. 
can we get somewhere in that window? And if we can stay flexible on an annual basis and say, here's what you'd like to have this year, next year, or maybe even this year in this case, because the market's being down, this year we're going to have to go down to the need number. We'll have to cut things back and save that Europe, Europe trip for two years from now or something along those lines. Some of those things have to stay flexible in a portfolio because if you're not thinking longevity of a portfolio when you're doing your withdrawal strategy and you're just doing some cookie cutter thing and thinking it's a simple idea you're going to be in trouble. It's a lot more complex than most people think. Yeah. And I let's keep in mind here that we're talking very general here, because if we're working with someone who is retired, we probably have an emergency fund of three to six months, depending on each situation. So if somebody still wanted to go on that trip, they might be able to withstand that. So in general, yes, what you're saying is correct, but there is in a properly well-planned retirement plan, you're going to be able to have some flexibility to be able to survive that. Well, and that's a good transition to my next question for you. So let's say you know you talked a little bit about index funds. And if you're withdrawing just evenly across all the stocks and bonds in your portfolio when you're taking your income, that's kind of like a just taking it as it comes situation. You're selling lots of shares, maybe when stocks are down or bonds are down or stocks are up and bonds are up. It's a fluctuating situation. How do you build, and without getting too much into specifics, how would you build an income plan? Do you take all of your stuff out of stocks? Do you take it all out of bonds? Do you use annuities? What kind of things are you thinking, Brad, when you say, I'm building a portfolio, designing it for income? How long are you thinking? All those types of things. Well, most generally, we don't use annuities. There is outliers out there. There's there's cases where we do have some fixed annuities that we use in some cases, but that's very rare. So most of it's all built within a portfolio of uh, stocks, which equities and fixed income, which are bonds and cash. And so we try to, within that portfolio, put this into your head, little buckets of money. And those buckets are designed that we're going to have a more conservative piece of that portfolio. So if you got a million bucks, we may have, say, this is an example, very general, say 25% of that, 250000 might be in very conservative fixed income. And that's where we're going to draw the income out. And the other 75% might be in stocks. So if we have enough in the fixed income side of that bucket or in that portfolio, we can draw our monthly check out and we're not going to be affected by the downside of equities or stocks. And then hopefully stocks recover before we have to get into the 75%. Does that is that clear? Yeah, I think I think it's sort of clear. I think one of the things you got to think about when you have these ideas of buckets in your mind is that you have let's say two, maybe three buckets. You have a short-term bucket like Brad's talking about that's in a very conservative investment. It has at least 12 months, probably closer to 24 months at the least of income built into there so that if a market fluctuation happens like 2020 that we're seeing right now, that your income doesn't need to be affected. Because if you had a good chunk of your income already set aside in a place that's consistent, then that's where we're going to be drawing it from. The market fluctuations don't matter to you. Now, the nice thing about market fluctuations is because when they go down, they also go back up, at least historically they have. And so you want to have a good chunk of your money still in the market because we want to be able to grow and outpace what kind of income you need over these time frames, so that we can refill that short bucket with your long-term bucket, which might be in equities or some other sort of investment that's a little bit more long-term. And so... 
the smart strategy when it comes to uh, withdrawing, and this is just in most cases, this isn't for everybody, but the smart strategy is we don't take it from everything. We don't just grab our portfolio and say, we're going to evenly take our $40,000 a year, half from stock, half from bonds. We look at the portfolio and say, what's the best and most consistent way to take money without taking too much risk, without destroying the longevity of portfolio? And in a lot of cases, that comes from having a good conservative investment where your income is set side into and making sure that side is consistent. Sometimes, like you do say, that is an annuity. Maybe some people need a fixed income for you know, certain period of time that they want to have a floor or a foundation for their income. Yeah, that might make sense, but that doesn't make sense for the majority of people. Most people want flexibility in their portfolio, and that's what this bucketing system would allow. Yeah, when you get into annuities in this sense, you have lack of flexibility because when you buy an annuity, you're going to have surrender charges in there. So you have a limitation of how much you can pull that out depending on how long you buy that annuity for. So you can only have access to some parts of it unless that annuity has been sitting there for a long time. Then you have maybe no surrender charges on it and then you have full access to do whatever. So there's lack of flexibility with annuities. But when we're doing it, we don't use annuities. Like I said, probably 99.9% of the time, we're using portfolios of stocks and bonds. And so, and I made my scenario 25%, 250000 out of a million in a bond fund. That's a very simple picture right there. If it right. was that simple, we don't, you wouldn't need us to help you do it. But that's not necessarily how we do it. I'm just trying to give a simple explanation there. Right, because you can look at a bond fund. You know, you say a bond fund, but the reality for most of our clients, their fixed income is spread throughout multiple different bond funds for different time frames. Some is in short-term cash that they may need now or in the next few months. Others might be in short-term bonds or long-term bonds or something in the middle of all that, intermediate bonds. There's a different investment mix for every single piece of that. So yeah, while, while it may sound simple over the air, sometimes the complicated side of things happens behind the scenes for us. Like even right now, we're going through rebalancing within our office with our clients. Man, it is a it is a very hectic decision-making process to make sure that we have all of our clients in the right place at the right time for the right stuff. Now, it's not because we're market timing. It's just because we're trying to keep our portfolios for our clients and their income in balance. And a lot of times we're taking into consideration what type of withdrawal strategy they're taking. Yeah. So if you have multiple bond funds in your portfolio that you're drawing income from and you have multiple stock funds within that same portfolio, stocks are down, bonds currently are up. Usually that's the case, but not always, but usually. So to keep that portfolio even, we have to rebalance it. So that's a trick in itself because what rebalancing is, is we're selling what's high and buying what's low. So if that were true today, and we are rebalancing this week, we're most cases selling off bonds and purchasing more shares of stock in those portfolios because stocks down, bonds are up. However, if I'm drawing income out of there, you have to be very careful in that rebalancing process. And you also want to make sure that there's plenty of money in those bonds going forward for the next couple of years so that if this continues for two years or go, gets worse, or gets better, of course, gets better, it's not going to be an issue, but you want to make sure there's plenty of money in those bond buckets to make sure that that income doesn't dissolve the portfolio. And uh, I want to give you a perfect example of, uh, I remember a guy came in here, it's probably been uh, eight, nine years ago now, 
back in 2000, early 2000s. He had retired in like 2002 and did his own portfolio at Vanguard. He was a do-it-yourself guy. And he had retired, and so he put all the stuff into these different uh, index funds and was living off of it, of course. And uh, he had Social Security, but he needed money off his portfolios. Well, then he got banged up pretty heavy in 2008 and 2009. Of course, that was a good probably 18 to 24-month period of of, uh, a lot of volatility and stock prices down. Killed his portfolio. Absolutely killed it. Because he was he was selling off stock shares to get that same check every month. And he came to me, it was like 2011, 2012. So this is several years after the damage was done. And he finally, you know, came to the catharsis that he didn't know what he was doing. And so he struggled ever since. I mean, we've we've been able to work it, but his income levels have dropped considerably since then. And he's probably not going to outlive it. It should be okay, but he's not going to have much left over for his kids either. But that's just a perfect example of someone who decided he was going to do it himself, read all these little articles, and it just didn't work out for him. And so now he understands once we put through the process, and he's been through several ups and downs since 2011, 2012. Of course, this is the big one since then, but... But I think it's interesting that to use an example like that. Right. No, that's absolutely true because I think a lot of people don't realize that when times are good, it's easy to invest. I, I wasn't, I mean, I was born, but I wasn't in the investing world in the 90s. But man, I mean, everyone was an expert in stock picking in the 90s because everything was going straight up. And so do it yourself when things are good. And if we, it sounds really good because if we look at the last, let's say, decade where we've had this amazing bull market according to all the data, people are leaning towards do it yourself because it looks like they can't make a mistake. And then you run into a time frame like this where you go, oh crap, maybe I don't know as much as I should know. And so this is where we say, look, I'm not going to force anyone into a weird situation with a financial advisor, but I really would encourage most people to sit down with someone that they trust, someone that's a fiduciary, someone that understands how this stuff works, and see if they have any insight for you. Now, it may cost you something. In most cases, if they are a good financial advisor and they're going to build you a retirement plan, they don't do it for free. I might just throw this red flag out there. If someone's doing it for free, it means that they have some sort of sale coming up at the end where they make some money. If you run into a good fiduciary, someone who really cares about your situation, they're probably going to charge you for the advice they give you. And then they may help you implement the portfolio. They may not, but they're going to charge you for it because they're giving you something extremely valuable, something that may make your money last 10 years longer, 15 years longer than if you were to try to do it on your own. So I want to wrap up today just saying that this stuff, it may sound simple in certain financial articles you read at some do-it-yourself articles, or you may be reading the doom and gloom of some of the articles saying, you're going to run out of money now because this is the worst economic recession in the last decade or whatever it may be, even though I don't know if that's even a real statistic yet. People are throwing that recession word out like it's no big deal. But regardless of whatever you're running into, just know that you may need to sit down with an advisor, someone who understands what you're going through, understands what your goals are, and then can build you a plan that is flexible, that is well thought out, that is customized specifically to you, that can get you into retirement and through your retirement. I mean, that's what we do in our office, and we try to do that the best we can, but sometimes it's hard to convince people that they need some help. 
Yeah, and I, I'm going to throw a tip out here today. Oh, boy. Compliance, so, look out. Here's my tip of the day. Actually, tip of the week or whatever you want to call it. Turn off all news media. I've said this in the past. I repeat, turn off all news media. They are doom and gloomers. They'll ruin your day. You think you're gathering information, but in the deep, deep part of it, they're beating your emotions down. Remember, the number one goal of all news outlets is to sensationalize news and make money. Why do they make money? They sell advertising. The more viewers they get, the more advertising dollars they bring in. It's a business. So the more they sensationalize, the more people get caught up in watching it. So it's pure emotion and I'm going to say 50%, maybe more garbage. This is my personal opinion. So turn off all news media. If you want to learn anything real, Search it yourself on the internet. Stay away from any news agency that's reporting because they're going to put their spin on it. That's just my little tip of the day. And it'll save you a lot of money in the long run because you won't panic. Yes, that's true. News is uh, always bad, it seems like. I think it's been that way for a long time, but I'd say in the last decade, it's all been about negativity in the last... Probably 25 years, I would say. Lots of negativity, not so much information because... Man, the good old days, again, 27 years old over here, but the good old days that my parents and grandparents talk about when you'd watch the evening news to get actual information from, that just, that's amazing to me. I didn't know that even exists. No spin news. No spin news. Wow, that's something. It's hard to believe it actually existed. Well, to wrap this thing up, I just want to let you guys know, if you are in a situation where you're withdrawing from your portfolio right now, it's probably a complicated situation. Just the question probably floating in your mind is, am I going to make it? Can I still get an income? Is everything going to be okay? The answer, probably yes. As long as you're using a well thought out strategy, if you're not using a well thought out strategy or you don't have a financial advisor that's looking at this and making a well thought out plan for you, maybe you need to consult someone immediately. I wouldn't wait too long because like Brad was saying, you know, if you wait two or three years after all this mess is over and you, the damage is done, there's not much a financial advisor can do but help you kind of limp along through the rest of your retirement. So get help when you can. If you want help from us, you can go to our website, fikeadvisors.com. There's a schedule now button in the top right corner. If you click that button, it'll take you directly to our digital calendar. You schedule a free F-R-E-E phone call with us and we can talk through your situation, see if we can help you. If we can't help you, we'll find someone who can. The goal here is to help you get to retirement as soon as possible. And if that means we have to get you four or five different people involved in the mix to get you guys the best retirement possible, we'll do that for you. So, well, hopefully you guys have a great rest of your week. Stay safe, stay healthy, and avoid the news media. There you go. That's a big tip. And uh, just one more thing, if, if you got a minute. Of here. course. Yeah, throw it in here. Why not? I, I just want to say that I've temporarily suspended yoga due to the coronavirus. So I'm not doing yoga now in honor of the coronavirus. So I won't be talking about it for a while till things are opened up. And then I'll probably pick up my yoga. Thank you, listeners. Your prayers have been heard. They have been answered. Brad will no longer be doing yoga until... I said temporarily. Okay, well, keep praying then. Well, guys, have a great rest of your week. We'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye.
Investment advisory services provided by Fike Advisors, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional before taking any action. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.